Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following is a message from our guest speaker. Okay, so I believe that a quiet church is a dead church, and that when you come into the house of God, we should have an environment that we're in the winning locker room. If you've ever been in a locker room before that you just lost the game, it kind of sounded like what y'all just did. It's like, right? But when you go after you just won the big game and you come in, man, everybody's giving a high five and they're like, oh man, it's so glad to be a part of this team. Who's glad to be at church this morning? Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. And so as we just continue that enthusiasm, listen, if you hear something that you agree with or you hear something that God is speaking to your heart this morning, you may say, hey, amen. Right? Or you may say, one of my favorite of all time, I used to go to this church, uh, and uh, there was a guy on the back row, and when he really liked it, he would stand up, stomp his feet, and he'd go, hello, operator. And I like that one. So if you want to do that one, that's a good one. But we're glad that you're here this morning, guys. I want you, if you brought your Bibles, get them out and turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the Word of God this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, expectations expectations. Wow. We're going to talk about expectations this morning, or even more specifically, unmet expectations. Have you ever had an unmet expectation in your life? Am I the only one that, like yesterday, we were coming back from staff retreat, and it's raining cats and dogs, and we have the windshield wipers on, and we're not used to uh, all this rain. It hadn't rained that much, but that was a big that was coming down hard. I mean, it was really like a monsoon, and Lisa and I were like, this is crazy, and I'm driving down the road, and everybody has their emergency flashers on, and that was kind of annoying. Why does everybody have their emergency flashers on? Is it, is it, am I supposed to do that? Okay, out-of-towners. Okay, and I was like, that's distracting, and then all of a sudden, my windshield wiper flew off of the car. I didn't expect that to happen. I did not wake up yesterday morning and go, wow, you know what I'm expecting, baby? Let the windshield ever fly off. I was like, man, it just went out of nowhere. And you know, have you ever had where something like that happens and then right after that, like, you're, you keep driving and then your air conditioner stops working and you're just like, I, if it's not one thing, it's another. Like, why even get my expectations up? This is just how my life is. We're going to talk about this morning what to do when you have unmet expectations. So look up on the Sky Bible. You, if you didn't read, bring your Bibles this morning, we're going to read from the book of Luke chapter 10. And I love this story. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha. Everybody say Martha. Martha. And it says Martha opened up her home. Whose home was it? It was Martha's home, and she had a sister. Her name was Mary. Everybody say Mary. Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet. So get the picture. Martha's house. Jesus is in the living room. Mary's in there with all the guys, and she's sitting at his feet. He's teaching. He's speaking. She says she's listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted. It says about all the preparations that had to be made, and she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Go tell her to help me. Everybody say expectations. expectations. Everybody say unmet expectations. Unmet. Right. right. So verse 41, Martha, Martha, Jesus says back to her, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Martha has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for the power of the word. I pray this morning that through the delivery of your word for these specific people this morning at this specific time, that we would not just be challenged, but we would be changed. We would be transformed. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated this morning. So I'm not the only one that has had unmet expectations, Right? Uh, I'm not the only one that has told my children, in this house, you're going to clean your room, only to walk in, you know, a little while later and go, what just happened in here? 
looks like a tornado. I told you to clean the room. Like an unmet expectation, right? You have expectations of people or even expectations of life. Have you ever started a new job and been really excited about it only to get into that job and realize this isn't what I expected, right? I can remember the first year of my marriage. I was so excited about marrying my best friend, this beautiful woman. It was uh, a little over 17 years now, and we said I do, and then all of a sudden, it wasn't like what I expected it. It wasn't, and there was a problem. We, we had two things that were really working against us. Number one, I expected her to be a certain way, and she wasn't living up to my expectations. There was many times in that first year that I looked at her and said, my mama don't do it that like that. And she was like, well, if you want to be married to your mama, that's weird. I had expectations, and she wasn't fulfilling those expectations. In that first year, the other thing, I was not fulfilling her expectations. And in that time period, I can tell you, there was a couple times that I thought about it. I was tempted. I want to press the eject button. I want to get out of this thing because I didn't know it was going to be like this. Now, praise God, I didn't do that. And God taught us some things over the years that I want to, uh, I want to share with you. But I want to tell you that there is a gap. Everybody say gap. There's an expectation gap. And what happens is in life, you will have an expectation of where you're going or what's supposed to happen. Maybe when you were younger, you had an expectation of what your career was going to look like, what your finances were going to look like. And when you look at that, your expectation, you're down the years down the road and you look back and you are looking at the way you are experiencing life, the gap between what you're experiencing and what you expected, that's called frustration. However far apart that that is, that gap, that is frustration. And I hear so many people in the world, and especially Christians, using that word over and over. I'm just so frustrated, Pastor. I'm just so frustrated. Pray, pray for me. I'm so frustrated. I can, I can tell you that when I was a kid, I started to learn about frustration. And one of my friends, his name was Brad. And Brad was a well-to-do family in our little, little town. I lived in a town. We had 265 people in our whole town. And Brad, he was rich, okay? And the internet was invented when I was a kid. I don't know if you knew that there was a time before the internet, but I lived then. And and what happened is in those days, you had to be rich to even own a personal computer. That's what we called them back then, a, pers- a PC, a personal computer. Brad and his family had a personal computer, and not only that, they had something called AOL. Does anybody remember AOL? Okay, well, I'm going to play a video for you right quick and see some of you guys. This is going to bring back some memories. Go ahead and play that. You've got mail. Yes! Oh! That's the way we used to get on the internet. And guess what? When I was a kid and the internet first came out, it didn't always happen the first time. Okay? But listen. I had no expectations of internet because I didn't know what internet was. So I went over to Brad's house, and we started the dial-up. All that stuff that you heard, it would go and go and go, dialing, 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 and then sometimes it wouldn't happen. And I was not mad because I had no expectations. I was like, oh, do it again, do it again. And he did it again. You've got mail. We're online. We are on the line. We're on the www, the World Wide Web. This is amazing. And for one little Netscape icon to load up, this little bitty pixel image, it would take five minutes. It was in these little pixels, and you're like, what is it? What is it? I'm so excited. I'm in anticipation. What is that picture going to look like? This is amazing. It's coming from out of nowhere. It's loading, it's loading, and loading. Ten minutes sometime for one image to pop up. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing. 
But now it's 2016, and I pay for high-speed internet. And me and my wife are up in the bedroom. We're about to watch Netflix, and my kids are also watching Netflix. And all of a sudden, right part of the movie, what happens? It starts buffering, and I strip a gear. I didn't, what is this, 1990? Who, what is this, dial-up internet? I'm just, I'm like, I, did, I expected to watch the movie, and I didn't know that I was dealing with all this stuff. Right? I had an expectation. I was going to watch that movie. And listen, the gap between what I was experiencing and what I expected, that's called frustration. And many of us, we live in frustration. And because we live in frustration, see, Jesus came that we may have, have life, and life to the full, an abundant life, a life that would be attractive to other people. It would be different. When people see us, they should go, there's something different about that person. There's something fulfilling about that person. They go through all the same stuff that I do, but there's something different about them. And I see so many Christians not living that because they're living in frustration. And because one unmet expectation after another unmet expectation, they wind up becoming hopeless, right. helpless. Yeah. Uh, it's no big crazy excitement to me. It didn't just blow my mind that the windshield wiper flew off again. That's just about par for me. I bet the air conditioner, pop, there it goes. You know, why even trust people? Why even trust God? I put my prayers out there. What's going on, God? I'm living in frustration. And I'm telling you today that God, that's not the life that God called you to live. What starts to happen is you get to a place where you start to lower your expectation. And I'm telling you, you will get out of life whatever your highest expectation is. So if you're a cynical person that comes here today and you've just been beat down by unmet expectations and you say, well, I'll try this church, but it's probably like all the other churches because all the other churches were unforgiving and they were hypocritical. Well, you know what? If you look hard enough and if you have lowered your expectations enough, you'll find that here somehow, someway, because we're not perfect. Okay, you'll find what you're looking for. And I'm telling you, that's not what God called for us to do. God wants us to have high hopes and high expectation. If you came here this morning, even facing some of those things that everybody else is experiencing, and you still went, you know what, I'm going to church though, because I know that he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And I know if I can just get there, my, I'm going to receive something from God. Guess what? You're going to find that too. It's all about overcoming our unmet expectations. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Allowing God to fill that gap. Allowing God to take that frustration. And so this morning, I see a story about a disappointed expectation. Martha is disappointed because she expected her sister to help cook for Jesus in the kitchen. And you know what? In the grand cosmic scheme of things, that may not be the greatest disappointment of all time, but we all go through this, right? With people that we're looking to to help us. She expected her sister to help out, and she didn't, and so she is frustrated. Everybody say frustrated. And what happens is when we get into those places of frustration, we start to think thoughts like, you know what, I thought and I expected, you know, maybe this morning you said my expectation is I thought and I expected when he said until death do we part, he meant it. I thought and expected that we would have a marriage like my parents that went for a lifetime. But you know what, I'm experiencing something that's contradiction to my expectation, or you may say, well, Pastor Kevin, mine, mine's different than that. The people that I was supposed to put my trust in and the people that were supposed to love me and protect me, they hurt me and they abused me. And I am experiencing a life contradicted to my expectations. All unmet expectations are different, and they come in different values. But I'm telling you today that God has a word for you through this story. And if you're taking some notes, I encourage everybody to take notes maybe on your phone or you can even do it on a pen and a piece of paper. But if you're taking notes, write this down. When I look at this story, this is something that I have learned. Number one, I cannot expect what I do not express. This is going to help you fill the gap, okay? I cannot express 
expect what I do not express. Perhaps a huge part, guys, of our frustration and expectations with others is that we have never even expressed our expectations. You see, it's not really fair for you to expect in a relationship for you to expect me to do something that I don't even know is a part of our expectation that you have for me. And I'll tell you in a, in a story, this is how I look at it, and I'm going to compare it to the story that we just read. But years ago, I had a, a family, a couple, they called me and they said, Pastor Kevin, can we have some marriage counseling? We're really going through a really rocky spot. Our marriage has never really been in this place before. We're scared. And the wife said, can you meet with us? And I said, I sure can. We got in the meeting. Immediately, she was mad. And she kept using that word over and over. I'm just so frustrated. I'm just so frustrated. And I was looking at him, and I could tell that he was frustrated too, but not as frustrated as she was. And I said, whoa, 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 just a second. Can you articulate to me? Can you give me just one example? Because you keep saying frustrated. One example of how he makes you feel frustrated. And she did not bat an eye. She did not blink. She just went, what, two days ago? I go, okay, good. Well, tell me what happened two days ago. She said, well, my husband, and I love my husband. He called me, and I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not mad about what you think I'm mad about, but she said, he called me, and he said, about to get off work. One of my buddies said, we're going to go try to catch nine holes right after work is over. Do you mind if I go play golf? And she said, I love him, and I know that's one of his getaways, and that's one of the things he hasn't done in a while. And I said, sure, go ahead and play golf with your friends. And he was like, thank you so much. As soon as I'm done, I'll come home for supper, and I'll see you and the kids. And she's like, and it was fine. It was fine. She said, at first, after I said that, I was kind of mad. I was kind of mad because it must be nice getting out and playing golf in the lap of luxury while I'm here ironing your clothes and cooking your food and raising your kid. And she said, but then I just put that thought out. It's like, no, you, you said he called. That was good. And I was like, yeah, that was good that you called. And she said, so everything just went crazy after I got off the phone. She said, I'm at the house and I'm trying to do laundry. She said, I was trying, they had a, an infant and then they had a, a five-year-old. She said, uh, I'm trying to cook food. And it's about the time for him to come home. She said, I put a timer on this at the oven. I ran into the laundry room. She said, I picked up the laundry. I changed it out. I got the clean laundry and I'm coming in and the five-year-old goes, uh, Baba's poopy. And she's like, oh no. So her, she said, I looked at his chair, his recliner in the living room, and it was just the closest thing. So I put down the basket of clothes right there, and I ran over, I started changing the diaper. I get the poopy diaper completely finished, and all of a sudden, he walks in. He's like, oh man, thanks, babe. It was so fun. And she said, he walks, she goes, I'm holding the poopy diaper, and all of a sudden, the thing goes off for the food. She throws it in, she runs over there, and she's trying to finish food. He goes in, and she said, and this made me so mad. I go, what? He went over to the chair, picked up the laundry that's still warm, put it on the, recline, on the, the uh, sofa, and sat down and started watching TV. And I'm looking at the husband, and he's looking at me like a confused puppy dog, like going, I don't know. And I go, what, what are you so frustrated about? She goes, the laundry. He literally had to pick it up to go and put it over there so he could sit down. He never folds laundry. He never hops out around the house. She goes, it's so frustrating. Like sometimes I'll see, I'll be putting two baskets of laundry down. He'll walk around it and just keep on going. She goes, can men see laundry? I just don't even think he can see it. And I go, well, what is where, where is it you're just so frustrated? And she goes, because he didn't fold the laundry. I didn't mind him going playing golf. I didn't mind him watching TV. But help out and fold the clothes. And I go, just a second. I'm not trying to make you mad, but I'm going to ask you a question to help you out. Did you ask him to fold the laundry? She goes, I shouldn't have to. <laughs> and I go, well, here's, here's the thing. Men are real dumb. And we, I know one thing about men for sure, we don't, hello operator, we don't read, we're not mind readers. And she's like, I knew you would pick his side. I knew it. We shouldn't even came. I go, no, 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 just a second, just a second. And I said, ask him. And she goes, if he loved me, pastor, and she was so serious, I shouldn't have to. And I go, that is your problem. You can't expect what you do not express. You need to communicate to him. 
And so I looked at him and I said, for the next two weeks, will you commit, if she, I, if she asks you to do something around the house, she communicates her expectation to you, will you do it? He goes, yeah, I will. I go, let me ask you this. Would you have done it if she would ask you to? And she go, he goes, yeah, I would have. And she goes, oh, my, I've heard it all now, Pastor. He just said that because we're in church and he's in front of the pastor. And I go, just, just, just give him the benefit of the doubt. Learn, I said, just learn something right here. You can't expect what you don't express. So can you start to ask him? She goes, okay. We prayed about it. Two weeks later, they came back. I said, we're going to meet in two weeks. She came back in, smiling her face, and she goes, it's a new house. It's a new home. She goes, there has never been peace in our home like it has been. And I go, so he's been helping out? And, and I told him before he left, I said, listen, when she communicates to you, and she, exp- I said, you better get in there and be a man and fold some clothes. If she asks you, she needs help vacuuming, come on, real man vacuum. Come on, ladies, y'all gonna shout me down on that one, right? Real men help out around the house and know how to do laundry, and that's what we got to do, guys. We got to help out. But her, the problem that she was having at that moment is she had gotten to a place where her marriage wasn't what she was expecting, but she wasn't communicating to him what those expectations were. And all of a sudden, I look at this story, and I'm like, this is what we have going on. I see Martha did the same thing. Jesus and the disciples had come to her house, and all of a sudden, the story that we see, she is frustrated frustrated with Mary, instead of communicating, does the Bible say, and she went to her sister and said, would you please get in here and help me with the casserole? Is that what it says? No, she was mad. She was upset. She's in the kitchen cooking the casserole, and all of a sudden, Mary's in there sitting on her lazy tail, not doing anything, and she did what most of us would normally do. Instead of going and talking and asking and communicating that, I'm sure it started out with her cooking in the kitchen, but she's just cooking louder. You're not clicking stuff loud. Oh, it must be nice to be in there while people are working in the kitchen, huh? Like, that's what we do. Like, if you, is that day when everybody else gets to sleep in, but you have to get up early and you're walking around the house a little, you know, louder. And, you know, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know you were in here sleeping. I, I accidentally turned the light on. I'm sorry. If I got to get up, everybody got to get up, right? This is her attitude. This is where she's at, right? She's mad and she goes to Jesus. She, oh man, Jesus, I can't believe her. You know what? What did you ask her? Well, if, if she loved me, I shouldn't have to ask her to get in here. Man, she knows this casserole is hard and the dishes are dirty. And that is where Martha is at. But let me say something about Martha. Because she always gets a bad rap. I like Martha. Because Martha is the type of person that opened up her house to Jesus. It says, whose house did it say that Jesus went to? Mary's house? No. She went to Martha's, Martha's house. And I noticed that, that, that Jesus didn't like Mary's cooking. Whose cooking did he like? He liked Martha's cooking. I know that Mary is real sweet and that she made Jesus feel good. And she sat at his feet and she listened to what he said. But in verse 38, it says that Jesus went to Martha's house. Now listen, if Martha doesn't open her home, Mary doesn't have a place to sit her cute little tush and sit down and listen to Jesus, okay? I just want to point that out because some people will preach this and they'll say, don't be like Martha. You just need to sit at Jesus' feet. You just need to worship all the time. But listen, if you don't have any type of Martha's, things don't get done. Okay, she has the spiritual gift of GSD, getting stuff done. I love people like that. And we need people like that in the church that open up their home, that, that are using what God, you know, if, if, if she doesn't use her gift and she doesn't use her passion to be able to open up her home, then Jesus is eating a, a gas station hot dog, all right? He liked going, the Bible says that he didn't just go to Martha's house just once. There's several times it's recorded that he went to her house and he loved her cooking. And that is a good thing. But here's what happens. Listen to this. Please hear me this morning. Her gift, her passion turns into a resentment. God has blessed her to have this special gift of hospitality. And I, I know there's some people in here, you have that gift. You're very hospitable. You like to have people over. It just comes naturally to you, okay? I also know that there's a lot of people in here that hate that. 
You don't want anybody at your house. You just want to be by yourself, right? And so what starts to happen here is Martha starts to get an expectation and put the expectation she thinks that God has for her on other people. And that becomes a problem, guys, because everybody is different. It's problematic. And so what happens is she is not expressing her expectations to Martha, and now she's causing a strain on a very important relationship, her family. It is her sister. Which brings me to point number two. If you've taken notes, write this down, put it up on the Sky Bible. I am not authorized to negotiate anyone else's relationship with God. I think sometimes we can get disappointed in our expectations of other people because we expect them to express their love for God the same way that we do. Or we expect them to express their love for us the way we would do it. And when you put that type of that expectation on somebody, many times it's, it's unrealistic. Because that person is not wired that way. That's not how they serve God. That's not how God has created them to be. But this is the place that we find Martha. I remember years ago, I was in a church, and this guy came. He was one of our board members. Awesome, faithful man of God. And he came in. I was in pastor's office. Came in, and he goes, I think he had just got back from a conference. And he had a burden for homeless people. Man, the homeless, pastor, the homeless. And he was just, the scripture says that we need to take care and we need to do this and we need to reach out to the homeless. I mean, our church doesn't do enough about the homeless. We got to do more about the homeless. And I sit there and watch my pastor fan his flame and go, man, that is awesome. And God is speaking to you in an awesome way. And he goes, listen, I'm going to help you with this. I have a real close pastor friend of mine that does... uh, uh, they specifically do outreaches for the homeless. He goes, they have classes that they teach. They have, you can go feed the homeless. You can, it's just exactly where you need to be. And that guy got mad at the pastor and left the church for about six months. Why? Because pastor didn't take on his burden. He wasn't loving God at that moment like this guy thought everybody should be loving God. He wanted pastor to take on his burden. And I'm telling you today, you get into spots even in your relationship with God and other people when you start trying to be the person that's authorized to negotiate how God receives loves and gives love and how they're supposed to do these things. Listen, verse 40 said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had, been to, had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care. All of a sudden, she was in a place where she was offended. Everybody should be co-oping with her passion. And we have to realize that people have different passions. People have different callings. Don't place your perception of God's expectations on other people. Amen? Martha got caught in this trap. And she's like, I asked Jesus over to this house. And Mary, you're in there taking in all the benefits and doing none of the work. You should be serving God like this. You should be cooking like I cook. You should sing like I sing. You should worship like I worship. You should do everything like me. And I'm telling you, guys, you're only responsible for one person. Even as a mother and a father, you're not responsible for your kids. You're responsible to your kids. You're only responsible for one person. Amen. raise our kids in the way of the Lord, but they have a decision if they're going to receive that or not. And listen, I am only responsible for my decision, but I'm responsible to be the best dad, and, the, and she's responsible to be the best mother that they can be. Amen? Amen. Number three, it brings me number three. Write this down. It'll be on the Sky Bible. I must resist the temptation to draft others into my dysfunction. <laughs> I must resist the temptation to draft others into my dysfunction. You see, Martha was the one who actually had the problem. But her perception was that there was something wrong with Mary. That needed to be changed. So she goes, and this is what we do all the time. She goes to Jesus, and she wants to to get Jesus to change Mary. And I'm telling you, I've seen people, and and they, they say words like this. Well, the problem with everyone is... 
People just don't see it the way that I see it. I, listen, I sat down in counseling one time with a guy. He had just got his sixth divorce. And he looked at me, and he said, I'm, Pastor, I guess I'm just unlucky. I keep marrying the wrong woman. Every one of them's had a problem. And I looked at him with love in my heart, and I told him, the only common denominator in all six of those relationships was you, buddy. His prayer life consisted of, oh, Lord, change my wife. Oh, she's not doing it right. Oh, God, there's something wrong there. Well, you're not answering that prayer. Well, I'm going to the next one. Oh, Lord, change her. There's something wrong with her. And I was like, man, you need to look at the man in the mirror. You need to start saying, God, what can I do to change? What can I do to, to be able now to get to a place where, God, you're molding me and you're shaping me, and now I'm helping out with the laundry, and now I'm helping around the house, and now I'm learning how to love my spouse. And this is where Martha is. She goes to Jesus for help, expecting a different solution, and God starts to answer her prayer in a way she didn't expect. He doesn't jump on board with her. And this is, we do this too. Come on, let's be, let's be honest. Have you ever been mad at somebody and then go to somebody that you love to tell them the story about how you were mistreated, expecting them to get mad with you at that person, and then they didn't get mad at you. They're not even in it, but they're not getting mad at you with that person, so you think they're choosing their side. So now you're mad at them. Right? This is the expectation gap. This is real life stuff. Says, she goes right here and she goes to Jesus and she's like, you know, tell Mark, change Mary, change my sister. And he goes, uh, uh, he, he tells her, uh, Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. I bet that's where she was sorry she ever brought Jesus into the conversation. Are you kidding me? You're taking her side. And we do that, guys. We do this all the time with God. We pray for something or we have a certain expectation. And then we're like, God, how could you allow me to get into this type of relationship? Or how could you allow me to be at that job? You need to change this job. You need to change this person. You need to change my crazy kids, God. And what starts to happen is God starts to deal with us. And we're like, man, I'm mad at you now. You're going to take their side? I'm not even going to pray anymore. I'm not even going to go to church anymore. Because here you are. Always, and guys, we do this. We are not, we have to resist the temptation to draft others into our dysfunction. We have to stop getting to a place where we expect other people to take on these offenses that we have. It's not good. It's not healthy. And listen, when we think about it this morning, does it make sense for us to do that? No. It's crazy. You see, sometimes you get frustrated with people, really frustrated with people, because they're not as unhappy as you are. Because they're not as overcommitted as you are. That's, that's where she's at. I can tell you, I, I'll, I'll just be completely transparent with you guys. It happens to me on Facebook. Scrolling through. I got this friend. Must be nice to take a vacation every week. <laughs> Some of us got to work, huh? Oh, must be nice to get a new this and a new that. Man, my, whoa. And I'm mad because I have a dysfunction in my life, and they don't. And I get more frustrated, and the gap just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I remember I went to college, and I still remember this sign. It was crazy. I was registering for a class, and... Uh, when I went into the, the registration office, there was a sign on the wall, and it was above the lady's head, and it said, your poor planning is not my emergency. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what she was saying is, just because you didn't plan to get into the class that you want to get in today, that that class starts today, and you're not going to get in it, doesn't mean that I'm lazy. Yeah. Right? So many people have this attitude where they're running around frustrated with people like, 
with. Uh, and, and they're like, well, if this person would just help me, God, or if they would just do this one thing, I don't understand why they won't. And Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, Martha, Martha, the problem isn't Mary. Martha, would you just please listen to me? I appreciate your cooking and I'm excited about that casserole. It sure does smell good. But here's the thing, Martha, I'm the son of God. And if I wanted to whip something up, you can ask Peter, James, and John. I can do pretty good with a couple loaves and some fishes. I can make a good meal. But you see, I didn't come here because I needed your food, Martha. Please don't misunderstand me because I love you, Martha. I appreciate your hard work. But I'm here for you. I'm here to be with you. I'm here to talk to you. You see, sometimes we're so dysfunctional that we will actually begin to hate people who are stable because they're not being as crazy as we are. And when we do that, we drive off all the stable people and we're just left with crazy people that are going, that's right, I'm mad at her too. And yeah, let's just quit. Where's that going to get us? Just more craziness and more dysfunctional. Which brings me to point number four. The greatest source of my frustration with others is my confusion about God's expectations of me. That's why we project things is because we think that God has an expectation of us and God never even asked us to do this. Oh, you know what? You can't come to church if you don't dress this way, you don't talk this way, you can't watch these certain things, you got to get away, you got to just flee even the appearance of evil, and if you don't, then you, then you don't even have a place in God's kingdom. We have these expectations that we put on ourselves, and God, if I just work and work and work, and I do this and I do this and I do this, and then we realize somewhere along the way, there's no way we can do all the things that we think God's expecting us to do, and we start to burn out, and we get so frustrated, and we go frustrated, and now that bleeds into my relationship with my wife, and it bleeds into the relationship with my pastor, and it bleeds into the relationship with my friends, my family, and they're like, why is Kevin so frustrated all the time? When's the last time you seriously sat down and asked God, what is your expectations of me? What, what do you expect? When I do that, God just looks at me and he says, I just want you to be you, Kevin. I love you. I just want you to live in response to my love. Do you know how much I love you? Yeah, I do. No, you don't, Kevin. No, you don't. Continue connect to me, and I'm just going to show you more and more of my goodness and my love and my grace. And as I see new, more and more and more of him, I start to realize all these things that I thought were expectations on me, that I was trying to project onto other people, it had nothing to do with anything but just the enemy trying to get me in a path, a, a trap where I would be completely burnt out and quit anything that looked like life. I would destroy every relationship. I would bring everything down. It would be killed destroyed. And all of a sudden I stepped in and I said, God, what do you expect of me? And he says, son, I love you. I love you. Which brings me in closing to this final point. Number five, don't let what you expected keep you from what God's wanting you to experience. Don't let unmet expectations that you've been living in keep you from what God wants you to experience right now. You see, Martha expected that Mary would help in the kitchen, would get the food done, would help in, the, in this party that she planned. But what Jesus had in mind was not that Martha would do a work for Jesus, but that Jesus would do a work in Martha. If you let the way that you expected things to go, if you let unmet expectations dictate the life that you experience, you may miss every experience that God ever wanted you to get into. See, I know a lot about unmet expectations. When... My son was born. He, uh, 
it was so exciting. We already had two children, and I wanted a son really bad. And, and, and not that I, I, I would trade Caitlin or Kinsey for any, for a thousand boys. It's just something about it. You want to have a son. And I was so blessed with two beautiful daughters. And we find out we're going to have a child. And I can remember when he was born, it was one of the, one of the awesome days of my life. You know, the doctor goes, it's a boy. And you have so much expectation of what that's going to look like, right? Immediately, I start thinking about him playing sports one day and being in football and basketball. Many of you know that seven months into his life, our testimony is that something was drastically wrong and he was put into the hospital. For two weeks, they did testing on my son, they, every day they'd come back and they'd say, we don't know, you know, something's definitely wrong with him, but we just don't know what it is. And they finally came. And the prognosis, the diagnosis was your son has a terminal disease. And that's not what I expected. That wasn't part of the plan. I got mad. I got mad at everybody. I was mad at God. I really didn't know what cystic fibrosis was, but we got on the internet and we started watching YouTube videos. I was like, I don't want that for my son. I can remember there was a lady in our church and she came to us and she had a son with special needs and she said, I want to share this with you. I said, all right, it was, a, it was a paper. I don't want to read it to you. It was written by a lady named Emily Kingsley. And it's entitled, Welcome to Holland. And it said this. I'm often asked to describe the experience of raising a child with a disability. To try to, you know, help people who have not shared in this unique experience understand it, to imagine how it would feel. And she says, this is the best way I can describe it. When you're having a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You go and you buy all these great guidebooks and you make wonderful plans. The Colosseum, the Michelangelo David, the gondolas in Venice, and, and you even learn some little Italian phrases. It's so exciting. And after months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives and you pack your bags and off you go to Italy. We're so excited. Several hours later, the plan lanes and the steward comes in and she says, welcome everyone to Holland. Holland? Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean, Holland? I, I signed up to go to, to Italy. I was supposed to be in Italy. All my life, I've dreamed of going to Italy. But there's been a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland, and there you must stay. The important thing is they haven't taken you to this horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence and famine and disease. It's not like that. It's just a different place. So you must go out and you have to buy new guidebooks. And you learn an entirely different language. And you meet a new group of people that you never would have ever met. It's just different. It's slower place than Italy. It's less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while, you catch your breath. You look around. And you begin to notice that Holland has windmills. Holland has tulips. Holland even has beautiful Rembrandts. But everybody that you know is busy coming and going from Italy. And they're bragging about how awesome it is in Italy and what a wonderful time that they're having there. And for the rest of your life, you'll say, yeah, that's where I was supposed to go. 
That was my expectation. That's what I planned. And you have to deal with that pain because the loss of a dream is very significant loss. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't go to Italy, you will never be free to enjoy the very special, very wonderful and lovely things about Holland. If I would have stayed stuck in my unmet expectations, I would have never experienced this awesome journey that I'm on. If I would have gotten so bitter and come to Jesus and gone, how could you do this to us? Where were you at when we needed you? Change it. Change my son. Change everything, God. I want to be in Holland. Last year, there's a lady, a teacher from our church. She taught in the high school. And she came and she said, I have a sophomore girl. She's going to be going into a speech uh, contest. And she needs to write about a certain subject. And she wants to write a story about you and your family. Would you do it? I said, yeah, I'll do it. She came and she goes, I want to know what it's like raising a kid with cystic fibrosis. And so we started to tell her about the disease. And I told her, I never expected to have to give my kid over 20 pills every day. I never expected having to hook my son up to a breathing machine where they shake him over and over and over two times a day and him having to take nebulizer kits. I never expected him having to go to the hospital over and over and extended stays and the times when my kids would want to stay with their mom and I would have to pull them away and they would cry and I never expected any of that stuff. She goes, tell me about your son and this is what came out of my mouth. He is the son that I always wanted and more. I've enjoyed my son so much. And we're coming back yesterday from the staff retreat. And Lisa goes, oh, look what Irene put on Facebook. And it was something that she put about how her son wanted to be like my son. And then uh, there was uh, Karen got on there. No, Erica got on there and she was saying, yeah, my son wanted to get a cap like Kagan. And, and my son has so much influence and touching so many lives. And I can remember when this guy from our church in Spur, he was diagnosed with lupus and he started to go through chemo. And I was visiting him in the hospital and he told me, this is the hardest thing that I've ever been through. You know what gets me through it, Pastor? And I said, what's that? And he said, your son. Because he's gone through this disease his whole life and he's so strong. And every time I think about quitting and not wanting to go through this, I think about Kagan and I think if he can do it, if God can use him, he can use me. Listen, I could have been the dad that got mad at God, wanted everybody to change, wanted the world to change and never experienced the great life that I have right now. I could have left my family. I could have just gone and done something crazy. But the things that I'm teaching you today were the things that God allowed me to start to implement into my heart. And I went, God, this isn't what I expected. And there's a gap between what I'm experiencing and what I'm expecting. You know what God said? Let me fill that gap. Let me give you some new expectations. You know, the Bible says that he told, Jesus told Martha that Mary has chosen what is better. Makes me think of the scripture that says, now to him that is able to do abundantly and above anything that we can ask, think, or imagine. I used to hear that scripture and I'd go, well, that means better. That means that if I'm struggling in my finances, that it's now God's going to make it better. Or if I'm going through a hard time in a relationship, it's just going to get 
better. It's going to get higher. And through my life and God filling the gap, when God says better to me, it means deeper. Kevin, I want to take you deeper. I want to show you that it's not about this unmet expectation and that unmet expectation. Kevin, I want you to know what I was trying to teach Martha. That I'm here with you through everything that you go through. And we're going to change the world together. We're going to bring my kingdom to this earth through any and every situation. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. I love the passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says, cast all your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. Could you close your eyes and bow your head this morning? I came here to tell everyone this morning, he cares for you. God sent me here this morning to let you know that he hasn't left you. You may be facing some unmet expectation. You may be living in the place of frustration. But God sent me here to tell you that he hasn't left you. That it's not over. Cast your cares upon him. He cares for you. Cast your cares upon him. He cares for you. When nobody else seems to care about where you're at or what you're going through, He cares for you. He knows exactly what you're going through. And I guarantee He is strong enough to hold up your expectations. Let me pray for you with every eye closed and every head bowed. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we bring our expectations to you. All of the expectations that, Lord, we had as children growing up. All of the expectations that we've had in different seasons of our lives. All of the expectations and the promises that that people made to us. We bring them to you this morning. And we declare that, Lord, at the cross, every expectation of the love of God was completely met. Every demand was completely satisfied. So now, God, I pray that you right now fill the gap, just like you've done in my life. God, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed to have a kid with CF. And that may sound crazy to some people, but Lord, we thank you for what you've done in our lives and where you have brought us through and where you are bringing us too, Lord. I know there's many people that have unmet expectations and this morning their heads are down. They've been living in disappointment. Things didn't turn out the way that they thought it would. Their life didn't turn out the way that they prayed it would. Their heads are down. But Lord, I know that your word says that you are our glory and the lifter of our heads. And today, I speak in the name of Jesus, we lift up our heads again. Raise our heads, God. Fill the gap. We lift our eyes to the hills. We know where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We will not miss the great life that you have for us now, focusing on the unmet expectations anymore. We choose what is better. Come on, church. We choose you, God. We choose you. We choose deeper. We choose further with you, Lord God. Our expectations, we declare this morning, are met in you, have been met in you, and we thank you this morning. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen.